You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful. Welcome, good afternoon, assalamu alaikum, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all from the Monday afternoon drive time show with myself, Kayyum, and joining me as always, my young Imam brother, Imam Imran. Good afternoon, welcome, assalamu and peace be on you, brother. Good afternoon, peace be upon you as well. How are, How are you? I'm good, alhamdulillah. Good weekend? Good weekend, and uh, yesterday it was quite a heavy rain. It was, a Lightning yes. and rain, yeah. It was a true British weather. <laughs> it was a true British yeah. weekend. Um, as always, we have uh, two interesting topics that we're going to be discussing over the next two hours. Um, for the first hour from up to five o'clock, we're going to be talking about something that everybody is either on their way or they're planning for the next week or so, which is half-term getaway ideas. Um, we're going to be talking about traveling and uh, where people are going to be going or planning to go over the half-term. And the second hour, we're going to be talking about, I suppose, connected to um, why people travel. Sometimes they travel uh, to go and explore different cultures and different civilizations, um, or sometimes people go to relax. Right. And sometimes people go and travel for religious reasons. Second hour, we're going to be talking about culture and Islam. And we're going to see if there's a connection, if they're intertwined, or they are two separate topics um, and ways of life. Um, if you want to give us a call, we want we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear um, your contribution. Give us a call 0208-687-7878. Or you can join us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK. Or feel free to email us via our website which is www.voiceofislam.co.uk um travel halfway half term getaway ideas uh, brother Imran, any any plans to go on holidays any, um, any? not really but uh, i have visited like um, last when was your last holiday um i reckon three years ago how long three years ago okay yeah. i went to um scotland okay and um um, Lake District and beautiful, beautiful area, beautiful country, I suppose, or or, or part of the part, part of the great uh, United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, what is it that we are talking about today? So, parents and children alike will be looking forward to the October half-term school break, which is which has just started, uh, which is now, um, and the whole idea is to have an opportunity to rest, relax, and take a break from school. We are exploring ideas on how to best enjoy the holidays through travel. In the Holy Quran, in chapter 29, verse 21, it says, Travel in the earth and see how he originated the creation. Then will Allah provide the latter creation. Surely Allah has power over all things. God has given man the best of intellect and skill so he can travel in in earth and witness the signs of God Almighty. Travelling is a wonderful experience with numerous blessings and positive results. There are opportunities for travelling this half term, which are plenty um, and a lot of more people are looking forward and kind of eager 
to to travel um, since uh, they've kind of been locked up and and uh, in in uh, you know in, in lockdown a, uh, yeah over the lockdown period yeah. people have been fairly restricted mm-hmm. in respect of where um, they are uh, able to travel so whether you're looking to holiday overseas explore new parts of the United Kingdom or even just discovering beautiful new locations in England um, this is uh, this is what the mindset of the people are at the moment. School holidays are important for children and families and students because it's 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 a time that they can get together, spend with their parents, um, family time, uh, quality time they can get to spend, and they can create memories. Travelling always creates memories, and it's a good time for students, mm-hmm. especially like with GCSE and A-level students now. The exams are going to be coming up. They're going to be looking to prepare. It's a good time to kind of wind down or kind of relax and take that break um, or maybe even reduce the pace at which they are studying. Um, and according to The Independent, in an average school week, parents spend around 30 minutes of college time with their children on a day-to-day basis. So as I said, holiday is a good time to increase that uh, quality time they have. We do have a question for all of our listeners um, on our Instagram story, and we would love to know what are your half-term plans. Give us a call again, 0208-687-7878, um, or join us on our social media platforms at voiceofislam.co.uk. Um, so what is the importance of travelling, uh, Brother Imran? So the travelling is a wonderful experience uh, with numerous benefits. According to Matthew Kingsworth University of Pennsylvania, our future-mindedness can be a source of joy if we know good things are coming. And uh, traveling is an especially good thing to have to look forward to. And according to National Geographic, travel has been linked to greater happiness, empathy, and creativity. Traveling allows us to have a patient. Uh, it opens us to new experiences. It opens our minds and makes the world bigger for us. Traveling can be f- for so many good reasons. For You can travel for studying, educational experience and purposes, social bonding, um, and an and event. You can socialize with your friend or uh, you can celebrate something um, incoming in your life. Cool. It could be you could be attending a wedding, you could Absolutely. be attending... Um, you know, you could be attending. There's different, different. Uh, you could be um, attending a conference. People when when we have uh, annual conventions mm-hmm. um, within the community, yeah. people travel from all over the world. Over it's it's you know they kind of amalgamate a spiritual experience with a holiday, um, where they can build um, or nurture some of the social and the friendship social networks that they have built or friendships they have built over the years. So one event can lead to so many different. Um, feelings yeah. and they can kind of um, um, uh, you know th- they can enjoy doing so many things over a shorter period of time absolutely you mentioned at our annual uh, convention I think it's uh, one of the uh, main event in MDA movement um, and MDA, MDA community and uh, people get together they uh, get to uh, uh, get together there and um, they obviously um, some people are obviously camped there and uh, enjoy the atmosphere, especially the religious atmosphere there. And I think it is um, a beautiful um, um, scenes there, especially um, when our beloved um, Hazur, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed, uh, is there. So I mean, um, for me, it's it's always my holidays as well. 
and well, it's it's it is it's so true that mm-hmm. how how many times when we kind of get our holidays uh, planned over the true. over the year. Um, some people get you know a few weeks, some people get a few months, but everybody allocates those particular days when there's annual convention. Then you book your holidays in advance because you want to ensure that you you uh, you attend um, the the annual convention. So it it is part and part and parcel of, of of our of of our planning of our lives mm-hmm. uh, over the year. Um, you mentioned uh, um, His Holiness and uh, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad the Fifth Caliph. Of the promised Messiah, may Allah strengthen his hand. He cited a few narrations relating the prayers uh, of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He said, he when he was traveling, he would always pray for the journey of of his companions. When the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, encamped during traveling, he would not leave without offering two two rakats of of salat, which are two um, uh, um, uh, two prayers. True prayer, yeah. He would also give alms at the start and at the end of a journey. Each time he would, he returned from the pilgrimage um, or, or Umrah um, or an expedition, he would say, um, God is great, God is great. He would say Allahu Akbar three times while uh, climbing a height um, and, uh, and subhanAllah while descending and, uh, and would pray, there is none worthy of worship except Allah. He is one and has no partner. His is the kingdom. All praise belongs to him. He has power over every matter. We are returning, repenting, worshipping our Lord and praising him. His Holiness mentioned this on a, um, um, in a Friday sermon back in 2008. The word sar, which is a Arabic word, travel appears in the Holy Quran mm-hmm. more, ta- more than 20 times. Many of its usage are in the formation of do travel. Tell them to travel, or or do they not travel? Yeah. So one of the important reasons for traveling um, is to appreciate <laughs> God's earth. In fact, um, the Quran states that the cause of the causes of all decline and fall of a civilization is people's rejection to God's oneness, expressed as their denial of the unity of nature and the unity of uh, humanity. This denial leads to the rejection of human's ultimate responsibility for his conscious action, and this in turn leads, uh, in turn leads to bad actions and spread of bad things in the world. And God Almighty states in the Holy Quran, chapter thirty, was um, forty-three, says, "Travel in the earth and see how evil was the end of those before you. Most of them were idolaters." Another important antidote, another important anecdote is that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that the prayers of three persons are always accepted, the victim, the traveler, and a father's prayer for his offspring. So this this, um, shows that how um, Allah the Almighty has emphasized the importance of traveling um, in the earth and Obviously, um, as I mentioned in the last, that there's a saying of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that um, there are three person always, the prayer of three person always be accepted. And one of them is uh, uh, the one who travels in the earth. So um, to look in, uh, to look in an Islamic perspective, so we travel as a Muslim, we travel to appreciate um, Allah's 
Allah's earth and his blessings and obviously take a um, lesson from the previous civilization who denied uh, God's existence. There's one thing I kind of want to highlight and we mentioned um, that His Holiness talked about it as well when he was <coughs> narrating mm-hmm. the experiences of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or the practice of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that when he used to, um, and, and this is something we do, I think as Muslims, and it's something we are taught by our parents, and um, and it's part and parcel of our way of life, is when we travel, we start the travel by prayer. Right. And we're encouraged. And again, when I say we start the travel by prayer, I'm not talking long hours of praying and, and, and no, small prayers mm-hmm. um, to, to, you know, um, praying to God that make our journey uh, safe, keep us safe, make sure that we keep others safe. Right, right. Um, and, uh, um, and, you know, that and, and during the journey, um, we we seek um, we we praise God we praise the Holy Prophet may mm-hmm. peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and things like give charity absolutely give charity because that is kind of ensuring safety mm-hmm. for yourself and for the others and for the others for your families and, and also the um, whom you are traveling and you mentioned a very good point mm-hmm. that uh, you know the Holy Prophet sallam, used to make um, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him used to make you know a prayer before. Uh, before traveling and uh, to create that sense that God Almighty is watching ab- above us. Exactly. And, yeah. So it's not, as you mentioned, it's not a long prayer, just no. a small, simple thing and small, a small prayer that, oh, Allah Almighty, please protect us yes. if something is going to happen wrong or something like that. Exactly, because yeah. b- because that's the emphasis on the Islamic way of life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That all aspects, no matter which aspect of our life or which particular attribute or characteristic of our life, the ultimate decision maker is God Almighty because he is, that's what it means that he's all knowing and all hearing. Absolutely. That he is hearing you when you make that prayer because end of the day, who are you praying to? Absolutely. Yes. So he's the one we seek refuge. Mm-hmm. He's the one we go to when, um, when, when we uh, kind of look for protection. And seeking his pleasure is... Seeking help from him. Absolutely. That's what God seeking God's mm-hmm. pleasure is. People always think, well, why does he need pleasure? Well, you're not doing anything for him. Mm-hmm. The fact that you are looking for your protection through him Absolutely. is what gives him pleasure. Is that not correct? Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned that we seek refuge from Allah, the Almighty. And this is what the Holy Prophet وسلم, uh, used to say before every every uh, everything he used to do he say seek refuge um, that um auzubillahi minash shaitanir rajim that i i seek refuge um from the satan the cursed one so uh, this is basically you are praying to god that oh god almighty give me uh, the, your protection because you are all knowing as you mentioned before so um before traveling when we made the, made these kind of prayers that that is the uh, that that basically um have an impact on our heart that uh, this travel is not completed without Allah's help. Definitely. And, you know, when we when we talk about, um, again, we go back to always, we come back to it, the way of life. A lot of people have this misconception that Muslims s- s- seem to be praying mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. No. The whole point is God said, God has created us and he has said, live life. Mm-hmm. We are here to live life, 
but we need to recognize that part and parcel of that living of that life is given by him mm-hmm. it is god's giving and when part and parcel of traveling part and parcel of having holidays mm-hmm. these are blessings that god has given us absolutely and when we go on holidays and when we um are enjoying these holidays even when we are making worldly gains mm-hmm. these are as much as they are the efforts and the results and the rewards of the efforts that we have put into our lives mm-hmm. but ultimately everything that has been that, that that opportunity that reward the ultimate reward that even us being able to have that capacity and the capability of achieving these rewards mm-hmm. has come from god almighty absolutely yes so you know um with this perspective travel journeys made for worldly gains will also become a source of attaining god's pleasure absolutely so uh, his um, holiness the fifth caliph of ahmadi muslim com- uh, community stated that allah has drawn attention to travel in the holy quran in various ways those who reject prophets of god are told to travel the earth and observe the ending of those who rejected prophets of god in ancient times the pharaoh's body in egypt is a sign of warning tourists in their hundreds of thousands of all religious persuasions of all religious persuasions and of non religious persuasion see it mm. if they have fear of god it would make them stop and think about the dreadful end of the pharaoh so this is i think this is a, one of the main um, purpose which, which uh, hazur which his holiness is m- mentioning is underlying that the fact is that um, um, you travel so you you so so you see what is the uh, what is the uh, end of the ancient civilization and how they how their dreadful end um, was happened due to the rejection of god so this is one of the prospect uh, which holy quran highlights uh, he further said he also stated that in any case or any situation only the journey travel or a travel will observe allah's blessing in which taqwa righteousness is the perspective and uh, implementation of good works is the perspective with this perspective travel and journey made for worldly gains will also become a source of attaining allah's pleasure one who keeps taqwa the righteousness as a provision for one's travel is continued is counted among the among the true believers let's go and talk to our first guest of the afternoon we've got with us uh, john turner who is a bath university fellow and the ceo of visit somerset an organization dedicated to promoting somerset as a holiday destination on both both for uk and um, for uk dwellers and from those abroad he has used his experience in big data ai and modern marketing and business strategy to help transform somerset's image good afternoon welcome assalamualaikum and peace be on you john yeah thank you very much it's lovely to be with you thank you for taking time out and coming on the Pleasure. show for us um john you've had a career in marketing business and tourism what benefits does tourism have for a local region um an area and even on the local people um i i i think we we've, we've got to as we move forward we've got to make sure that that anything we do has a reduced impact on the environment 
Um, that that's really essential. But if we take Somerset for example, um, it, it generates about 1.3 billion pounds worth of, of visitor turnover every year. Amazing. Uh, and around 24,000 full-time equivalent jobs. So, you know, throughout the UK, it's it's well over a hundred billion pounds of international and domestic uh, visitor spend. So, and the fourth. Uh, largest gross domestic product GDP driver um, that we have. So it's it's an incredibly important industry uh, and one that I'm you know, very, very proud to, to play my part in. Fantastic. So what do travellers and visitors get from visiting new places? Uh, in Somerset or... Um, across the board from a travelling perspective, but also we would love to know what yeah. is it that uh, people travel to Somerset for? Well, I, you know, visitors. I think that the, the key point is, as, as and, and this might 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 kind of reflect very well with, with the current situation we're in, where stuff and and things um, are, are not kind of mainstream anymore. What people want is experiences. They want to create memories, mm. and and that's something that that we as an organisation and visit England and visit Britain are. are are very much committed to doing is, is to driving more of the experience let's not you know buy more stuff let's just let's have experiences those things that that create memories and, and bring people together and and that's the kind of thing that, that we're really targeting on now is is how we can create those experiences and, and how we can market those uh, those experiences as far as somerset is concerned um whether it's the the the, the foundations of European Christianity, which began in Glastonbury, um, whether it's the, the longest heritage railway uh, in the UK, West Somerset Railway, um, five areas of outstanding natural beauty, uh, a national park, Exmoor, um, a world heritage site uh, of Bath, and two of the finest cave networks uh, in Europe, Cheddar and Wookiee, or two of the most famous um, food brands in the world, cheddar cheese and cider, um, or one of the most famous handbag brands in the world. Um, so it, it just whatever it is, as in Mulberry, whatever it is, Somerset has an awful lot to offer, uh, and it's an eclectic mix of, of many different things, plus the fact that it is um, archaeologically renowned to be quite possibly the oldest county in the UK because of the Byzantine roots trading routes that were created by the romans mm-hmm. 2000 years ago out to the middle east from breen and barrow which is the seven estuaries so there is a huge amount of history and heritage connected to it mm-hmm. so john do you think that people should focus more on the opportunities for traveling and new experiences closer to home or are tourist destination abroad more desirable um i I've, I've just been in the Visit Britain meeting today and, and I had this conversation around wanting to support um, sustainability, but on the other hand, Visit Britain markets international travel. Um, I am personally, and, and my board and myself, we, we will only market domestically um, because that's where the majority of our audience are coming from, is the UK, but also from the point of view that nearly 10% of all uh, international traffic uh, is is flying in, uh, and clearly aviation. You know, it's, it's a huge amount of of carbon is is emitted via aviation. So 
I think in in the interim, before we, we have electrified aviation, we should look closer to home. I mean, John, I, I see where you, I see the point you're making, but one thing, I mean, as born and bred Londoner, lived all mm. our life in UK, I I, mm. I find it strange that the way overseas destinations are um, advertised and they reach out to public. Why is it that pe- um, with the rich history, especially geographical history with all the points that you mentioned already, mm. Mm. why is it that Britain isn't um, kind of up there in the list of desired locations to kind of visit? I think I think it's in the, the top ten in the world. Um, but but I mean from from uh, I'm picking up from the point that you want to kind of um, um, pursue the UK, the United Kingdom tourist. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I think there's there are two points there. I think the sunshine has a lot to do with it. Two. And two. And <laughs> um, the fact that um, mm-hmm. you know we we have quite a a variable weather system, uh, and, and clearly when people uh, the one they want to relax, they want lots of sunshine, which we, we you know, cannot guarantee. But again, I think that is the opportunity that we need to strike now, that there's that the fact that we can create lots of experiences, hmm. uh, and, and it's those experiences that I believe will drive a, a better opportunity for the UK's uh, uh, kind of uh, visitor economy and, and how we market ourselves. Um, moving forward, how, how we get over the whole climate crisis situation and attracting people to the UK or keeping people in the UK is it's a, it's a huge, it's huge a challenge. Yeah. It's a massive challenge. Yeah, yeah. Now, opportunities for travelling around UK are, is it easy for families with young children and others? I mean, can UK-based tourists find the support and accommodation? And that's such a key word in this in this in this equation accommodation that would support uh, the need of the family mm. yeah, um, I, I, the, the, yeah we, we represent well over six or seven hundred accommodation providers in the county alone um that there is a there's a huge kind of reorientation around the way we buy and consume accommodation if i can use those words um such as airbnb um, which which allow people to to kind of take control of the accommodation and enter it and leave it as and wish uh, as and when they wish, um, with no constraints as as a normal hotel would. And I, I think it's it's um it's a lot more of of an open marketplace for the consumer. Uh, I think the, the, as you alluded to at the beginning, with my kind of uh, mathematic basis of of looking at artificial intelligence and machine learning, we are transitioning from 20th century uh, kind of commerce ideology to to where we are in the 21st century where everything is is platform driven such as Airbnb Google uh, Apple Amazon um, and and consumers have a lot a lot more power now at their fingertips through their mobile phones uh, to, to do things so there's a there's an awful lot of choice out there um, for families and for couples and for uh, single people as well um, finally, John, you you are CEO of Visit Somerset. Yeah. Um, how does one go about, um, you know, w- what should I be looking forward to when I come to Somerset? And what and and I know Somerset is the county, 
but mm-hmm. as as cities within Somerset. Tell us something about those. Well, you've got one particular city where we actually had our conference two weeks ago, which is Wells, which is the oldest medieval city in the UK. Uh, and it has um, a very, very beautiful cathedral called Wells Cathedral, which dates back to the 11th century uh, and, and dates also uh, uh, 2,000 years ago to where Romans originated and, and found uh, a very deep well, hence wells, uh, where water comes up from the centre of the earth. Um, so that is a beautiful, it's the smallest medieval city in, in the UK. It's a beautiful place to visit. Some people prefer it to Bath, um, but if it's not Bath, it's Dunster, which is, is um, south of of um of wells about an hour down into west Somerset, which again is is one of the finest medieval villages uh in the uk it has a castle attached to it you could be in the south of france but you're not you're actually in west Somerset. so those, those are two places that really do spring to mind that i would thoroughly recommend people uh you know go and see and enjoy um and, and there are places that you won't find everywhere but those are pretty special places Fantastic. John Turner, thank you so much uh, for, for taking time out. Um, may, may God reward your endeavours to promote uh, Somerset and UK destinations for our UK tourists. I wish you a fantastic afternoon ahead. May peace be with you. Yes, and with you as well. And thank you so much for the invite. Thank you so much. Um, some fantastic points there by John, um, you know, about... Um, um, again, this is, goes back to what we were talking about, Imran, mm-hmm. about the importance of travelling. Um, you know, it, it is actively encouraged this, in, in the Islamic way of life. Traveling is encouraged. I mean, how many times have we sat here and talked about how the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, encouraged Muslims to travel to China to okay. seek knowledge? And we're talking 1400 years ago mm-hmm. when at that time traveling to China was a mission <laughs> and a half. True, true that. You know, they, you know the, the, it was all travel by foot or by animals. Mm-hmm. So, you know that that narrative, mm-hmm. that mindset of um, of b- traveling being part and parcel of the development of man's experiences and mindsets, and it opens the horizons of your brain to new to new ideas. It's so important, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, um, you mentioned that importance importance of traveling, and uh, you also uh, we also mentioned previously that uh, twenty times uh, travel has been mentioned in the Holy Quran, and there was a saying. I'm not sure um, who was the person, but it said that um, if you're born in the in a land and die in the same land, then you have nothing. You have achieved nothing in your life. So traveling is um, very important. And uh, it it broadens your horizon, it broadens your uh, knowledge, and obviously you get to know the other cult- cultures and uh, and people especially and how uh, they think about life. Definitely. Yeah. Let's go and talk to our next caller of the afternoon. We have with us uh, Jen from uh, The Travel Mum. Jen is a former NHS doctor turned traveller who created a family-run company to help widen access to travelling to those on a budget. During the pandemic, her traveling videos went viral and she realized the demand for access to affordable travel options. Good afternoon. Welcome, Assalamualaikum, and peace be on you, Jen. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking time out and, and, and coming, on, coming on the show for us. Jen, we were discussing earlier about the importance of traveling, I mean, within, within the Islamic way of life and within the religion of Islam, because it creates memories and it broadens the horizons of, 
um, of of individuals, um, and also it it, uh, it creates um, a cohesiveness in families, especially nowadays. Please, could you please tell us a little bit about how and why um, you founded the Travel Mum? Yeah, so I've always been passionate about travel, and I've always known its importance uh, within my life. Um, but it wasn't until I think COVID hit and the lockdown that I think everybody really started to realize how much we'd probably taken our freedom for granted and the ability to travel for granted. So I started posting about previous trips we'd taken just onto TikTok really out of boredom. Um, <laughs> but also just <laughs> just to give people that little boost of, oh, look, these are the kind of things we will be doing again at some point. <laughs> um, and then a lot of the comments um, that I was getting were based around how were we ever able to do that? How could you afford to travel this much? Um, so I started making videos just explaining these weren't expensive trips. We always travel on a budget. And by traveling on a budget, we can have a lot more trips. And it just kind of grew from there. I started to realize people were very uncomfortable booking travel outside of a package. Now, package holidays are quite expensive. Hmm. Um, and we kind of show people how they can book their flights and hotels separately and get really cheap holidays. Um, so that's kind of where the website came from. I just wanted to be able to show people how they could do it. What, why the travel mom and not doctor travel? why the significance of mum well very very little thought went into it (laughs) at the time and it kind of just stuck but I mean a lot of the videos that people were enjoying on TikTok were the videos where we were traveling as a family and that kind of traveling with a baby was what shocked a lot of people they're like because people kind of believe when your children are little you should wait until they get a bit older and it'd be very difficult so it was kind of encouraging people to travel as families. So that's kind of where the mum came from. Awesome. Yeah, so as you mentioned, um, um, Jen, how how important do you think it is travel? Um, how important do you think it is to travel and take a break? Is it worth the hassle, especially if you have uh, young children and elderly people, as you mentioned, or mm-hmm. other to look after? Yeah, I think it's so, so, so important because it's very easy to get consumed by life, by work, by chores, by just all these mundane things that we have to do day in, day out. Um, and we use kids as an excuse a lot of the times. So, well, we've got mm-hmm. kids, we can't travel, we'll wait until they get, we'll wait until we retire. And there's always an excuse not to do it. Right. Um, but travel is so good for little ones from babies up until teenagers. As you were mentioning earlier about the improved relationships within the family and spending time together and communicating decreases the stress with everybody and makes everyone just happier and I think you also touched on earlier about having something to look forward to is very very important most definitely um, and then also the memories like I think you've mentioned as well but yeah. what do we have apart from our memories as a doctor I've spoken to lots of people who are coming towards the end of their life and nobody is ever speaking about their things and their material possessions it's always about their family experiences and their memories so how is there anything else more important than you know creating these memories together? Um, Jen um, Imran was just talking about um, traveling with children. You mentioned it as well, um, and sometimes elderly people, and sometimes disabled people. So you know, of course, sometimes there are. Um, I wouldn't say di- well. I suppose there are. Everybody has their need in respect of of how uh, traveling or doing anything in life would kind of make it easier for them. 
What are the some what are the, some common misconceptions you have found people have over accessibility to travel? Um, well, I only have personal experience of um, traveling with children, so that's mm-hmm. kind of, I guess, my difficulty, as you would put it. Mm-hmm. Um, but people, I think, assume traveling is going to be a lot more expensive with children, um, and they just assume children, especially babies and toddlers, are going to almost not enjoy it, and they have a belief that it's almost selfish to inflict this onto them because you're doing it for yourself, not for them, which isn't necessarily true. Um I think just showing people that it's actually, there are lots of different ways you can adjust how, we've all traveled by ourselves prior to having children. It's just just making slight adjustments so that it's then, it it works for your kids as well, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, it's very very easy. You can't obviously do the things you would have done by yourself. You have to maybe go to bed a bit earlier. You can't stay out late. You have to be a bit more picky with the restaurants you choose the accommodation you choose, but it's all very doable. Now, some of the two, the two most common um, challenges or, or hurdles, especially in the times we're living in, is, especially over a short-term, half-term break, is uh, budget and time. So yeah. what would you, where would you recommend people go where they can kind of um, enjoy um, a break, you know, which won't break your... Uh, you know your your financial barriers, and it will not uh, need too many days, and where you are able to kind of relax and truly enjoy a, a, a short break. Um, I think it depends what time of year it is, and with children, obviously, you're very restricted to the half-term break, to the yes. summer holidays, and I think it's very difficult to go abroad in those periods unless you book really far in advance. So, if you want to go away for the summer of 2023, you should be looking now, kind of to book your flights and things. Hmm. Um, But in terms of last minute, I think there's a lot of wonderful things we can do in the UK, especially in the summer months. And we don't go abroad in the summer, we stay in the UK. And things like camping, glamping, um, kids love that stuff. And they love the novelty of being able to sleep in a tent, sleep outside. It's very, very cheap. Um, Other things that we have done that can make a trip very cheap is stay in travel lodges at service stations. So (laughs) there's travel lodges within a centre will be very expensive. Um, not just travel lodge, you know, the budget type yeah, of hotels. But if you book them if you book them at service stations kind of close to the town you want to explore, it's so, so much cheaper. They often include breakfast, um, and it just makes the trip a lot cheaper. Um, Jen, you used the word camping and glamping. <laughs> forgive forgive me, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so camping, as in camping just in a tent outdoors, yep. but glam glamping, um, is a relatively new thing where they will have um, like bell tents with actual beds inside. So you're not sleeping on the floor. You have an actual bed within a tent. Um, And you can also get these kind of little lodges and just kind of not quite camping, but not quite a hotel, just somewhere. So it's it's something in between. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, Another thing that we've done recently as well is house sitting. We did this in the summer. So you exchange you essentially stay in somebody's house while they're on holiday and they may need you to look after their pets or water their plants, but you get free accommodation for doing that. So we actually did this all summer. We spent four weeks house-sitting in some beautiful kind of mansion houses. One of them had a pool um, and it was a really great way to be on holiday but spend very little. Awesome. Finally, Jen, uh, what has been your favourite travel experience so far in the UK and in abroad? 
Um, in the UK, definitely um, camping in Scotland. So we did a road trip kind of to the highlands of Scotland. And the good thing about Scotland is you can wild camp. So you can just put your tent anywhere, um, follow it within, following some rules. Um, and it's just perfect. My favorite type of travel is just having the freedom to just go wherever. So Scotland is perfect for that and perfect for a camping trip. Um, abroad, we went to Croatia recently, which was absolutely amazing. It's a beautiful country. They have amazing mm-hmm. food. The people are so welcoming and lovely. Um, and it's very, very cheap. So um, definitely recommend people look at Croatia for their next trip. Awesome. Jen, it's been a pleasure to have you on our show. I wish you a fantastic afternoon ahead. May peace be with you. And thank you for taking time out for us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. And that was Jen. Uh, she's from The Travel Mum, a former NHS doctor who's turned traveller. Um, and she created a family-run company to help widen access to travelling to those on a budget. Um, Imran, what's been your favourite travel experience? I mean, in your young life. I haven't been, uh, I haven't been so in so much places, but uh, I like scenery. And uh, um, as I mentioned before, that I, uh, I went to Scotland. Mm-hmm. And I like uh, scenery there, and especially um, uh, waterfalls and um, trekking, especially. Uh, I like doing activities. So Scotland, I think, is one of the best um, places if you want to go to. And did you go to Scotland before COVID or after COVID? It was before COVID. Okay, so yeah. has uh, the need and the desire to go on holiday again kind of, um, is it is it something that you want to go or has... Um, COVID kind of um, restricted or stopped you from um, and you don't want to travel anymore because of the fear of COVID. A lot of people, Mm -hmm. we talk about how a lot Mm -hmm. of people um, want to travel because they were so tired of COVID. But there's the flip side is a lot of people got so scared of COVID itself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and being so scared of um, disease and, and, and being ill that they are scared of going into public places they're scared of going where there's uh, environments they don't know mm-hmm. where, where would you where what would you um, uh, where would you put yourself in that equation i mean uh, obviously um uh, covid and time for absolutely drastic for everyone especially for travel and travel agencies i mean um but mm. uh, in my personal opinion um in covid covid um time period i really enjoyed time with my family and um, uh, I get to know myself um, and others as well. So um, um, I reckon um, uh, traveling um, uh, is something that, you know, you explore you, uh, within yourself as well as uh, you look um, uh, you look and learn um, uh, from people. And um, um, I think one year ago, um, I forgot to mention that as well, um, I went to, you know, uh, Germany as well. So I was after COVID. Um, it was before, just before COVID. That couldn't have been a year ago. COVID was three years ago. So um, COVID I was mis- end of nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, maybe two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. Yeah. So um, so when I came back to UK, I was comparing everything, you know, within with Germany and how um, how um, what is the difference between um, people within um, in Germany and UK and. Uh, um, in that way, I think it's very beneficial for you that you compare uh, people, you compare culture, you compare food. Um, so in that way, um, it is very beneficial for you. 
So we've been asking a question on, on our Instagram story, what are your half-term plans? And we've received some responses. Um, Maha Wahid, um, she said, we are going to Austria and Germany to my cousins. So seeing that half-term is on its way, I'm hoping that uh, you are listening to Drive Time while you are traveling to Austria and Germany. Give our regards to your cousins and uh, <laughs> and, and be safe. Um, Navira saying she's studying. So as I said, may mention, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes... Um, um, sometimes take, because of exams coming up mm. you use the holiday period to kind of um, maybe catch up on your studies um, and, and maybe do that extra bit mm-hmm. to ensure that uh, um, you want to you want to be ready for your exams um, and then we've also had that they use that time period to rest so so mm. many different um, yeah. answers Um while we were talking about COVID, I mean, opportunities for travel um, have been limited for us because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but but now as we are coming out and we're getting more and more used to getting back to an element of in, uh, a normality as, um, you know, whatever that may be, um, we continue to move into a post-COVID world. We are able to return to more social activities, more more open um, um, uh, venues um, and uh, and traveling. Uh, is part and parcel of getting ourselves used to um, the norm that we used to have. His Holiness, the fifth Caliph of the Promised Messiah and the, and the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmad, may Allah strengthen his hand, stated that according to the prophecies of the Holy Quran, the travel arrangements in this day and age are extremely convenient and widely available to, to witness signs that would deter one extremely con- would deter one. However, only those can take heed who have a spark of goodness in them. This is from a, a Friday sermon, uh, from a sermon that His Holiness gave back in April 2008. And this goes back to what you mentioned earlier about mm-hmm. Pharaoh, yeah. that w- with the ease of travel, mm-hmm. um, there are these signs of the wrath of God Almighty Absolutely. that, you know, um, that that people can go and see. At, at a at a fairly uh, um, inexpensive and cost-effective way, mm-hmm. um, it it won't kind of break your bank, um, and 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 part and parcel of your traveling should be to go and explore these avenues, Absolutely. Yeah. which you know which uh, which might uh, kind of bring you closer to God Almighty. Mm-hmm. Um, His Holiness also stated that in the current era uh, of the promised Messiah, on whom be peace, in accordance with divine promise made of fast and comfortable transports are available if one is thankful with his perspective and joins in with spreading of good then one receives god almighty's grace so we can always find new ways to travel so some fun facts um brother imran yeah so one fun fact which i really enjoyed um is that traveling can strengthen the immune system what hey what (laughs) so because you know when you travel you uh, try different kind of food different atmosphere Ah, and um, environments so that's you know uh, that's strengthening your immune system and Uh, because you're exposed to uh, different diets, different food. Yeah, just like you know, it's like one of those things, isn't it? When people go back to the subcontinent, they say, yeah. "Don't try, don't eat, don't eat the street food." Absolutely. Whereas the best food is the street <laughs> food. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and don't don't drink the water and That's stuff it. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, so, it's, it's so true. Yeah. And um, again, um, you said that His Holiness stated that when entering a new town, as we discussing before, that you know the Holy Prophet, our Master, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, used to travel a lot, and um, 
he actually uh, you know migrated from one country to other country uh, he was used to live in makkah and because of persecution um he um he migrated to medina so um uh, so his holiness stated that when entering a new town the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him said the following prayers our lord lord of the heavens and lord of of the seven heavens and what their shadow falls on lord of the seven earths and all that they carry o lord of the shayateen plural of shaitan and all who they have led astray o lord of the winds and whatever they blow about we pray to you for the welfare and good of this town its inhabitants and whatever is in it we come in your refuge from the evil of this town its inhabitants and whatever is in it our lord bless this town for us grant us blessing in this in this town in this town facilitate blessings for for us in this town our lord grant us sustain sustenance from its fruits and place our love in the hearts of it, of its people and grant and grant love for the pious natured people of this town in our hearts so this is the prayer he used to do when he whenever he used to enter uh, in a new town and uh, in this prayer we see that how he um, how he prayed to allah that um, um make this tra- um, travel safer for us and the people um who are traveling with me and also the the people who are living in that town so that shows that um how uh, he used to travel and how uh, great was his example you know it, it while you were reading out those words the prayer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it took me back to what john said earlier our first guest mm-hmm. that there are millions of people who work in the travel industry in a certain area mm-hmm. and it's so important that one needs to think and one needs to realize that when you travel somewhere mm-hmm. as much as you need to realize that you are going to relax in in an area but the fact that the money you spend in that area is the income of people who who that that is the income of people how they're going to put food Absolutely. on the table of their families Absolutely. how they're going to be um in employment mm-hmm. which again um has a, a positive effect on the life mm-hmm. of the people of that certain area Absolutely. so when you travel to a certain area one of the reasons why um one prays and again mm-hmm. if you listen to the words that you have just said yeah. it's exactly that that when you're praying to god almighty mm-hmm. that let this prayer mm-hmm. let 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 this trip that i am making make it good for me but also good for the people where who i'm visiting absolutely these people show you their hospitality mm-hmm. by welcoming you so you make those extra prayers for them mm-hmm. that let my trip make it work for them bring um affluence and bring blessings of 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 god almighty to these areas it's important to understand that traveling is not just your benefit the fact that you're looking to travel mm-hmm. you are benefiting a plethora of people who are attached to this industry mm-hmm. and 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 that's exactly what it is it's an industry where people um struggle people work hard to accommodate people and to ensure that people have a pleasant and and prosperous time when they are um visiting and and that the fact that they are truly able to um create memories mm-hmm. 
which is the word all of our guests have used, um, especially from a family perspective, that you're able to create memories that will stay not just with you, but those memories will be in the minds of the children that you take with you. And they will be telling their children about a time when, you know, 20 years ago, my parents um, took me to this place and this mm -hmm. place. It becomes part and parcel of a connection parents and families have with each other over a generation. And it's important to, to understand that. And, you know, um, flights, I mean, after the pandemic, one of the, one of the disadvantages has been that holidays have become that much more expensive. Um, so sometimes, you know, you, you, you travel, but it's not necessarily that you have the most extravagant holiday. Absolutely. Sometimes, um, you know, keep it local. Mm -hmm. Go to, um, as John said, um, you know, go, go and explore the country you live in. Go and explore the country mm -hmm. that uh, you're born in. Um, you know, maybe you'll learn um, something which you didn't know. Because how is it that you know more about your neighboring country than, than you do for yourself? We are coming up. To, to the hour. Just to conclude, to travel is not only a wonderful experience, it is also a huge blessing and a privilege. His Holiness has stated, travelers of a believer are to seek the pleasure of God Almighty, are a mark of thankfulness of his blessings, and indeed, believers begin and finish their travels with the specific prayers stated in the Holy Quran, and those that the blessed model of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, set out for us. Like all other acts, deeds of a believer traveler traveling is also to seek allah's pleasure and to establish goodness as well as to maintain goodness prayer for traveling say holy is he who has subjected this to us and we had not the strength to subdue it ourselves chapter 43 uh, verse uh, chapter 43 verse 14 um with that we're going to conclude the the first hour um in the second hour we're going to be talking about culture and islam in fact you know people do travel People travel for religious reasons. People yeah. do the pilgrimage. Absolutely. You yeah, know, yeah. people do the pilgrimage. We talked about how people um, go and, and attend different conventions mm -hmm. around the world. And of course, people go and explore new civilizations and new cultures. We're going to take a quick break. We would love to hear from you. 0208 You're listening to The Drive Time with myself, Kayum, and Brother Imran. We're going to take a quick break and go to the news. And after the news, please stay tuned and we'll come back and discuss culture and Islam. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Monday Afternoon Drive Time Show with myself, Kayum, and Brother Imran. The first hour we have been talking about where you are traveling over your half time holiday, wherever you are. May God be with you and may you enjoy your holiday. For this hour, we're going to be talking about culture and Islam. Um, Islam is spread all over the world, it is a universal religion. Um, and it has believers found in the east, the west, the north, the east. Um, and with this comes Muslims who carry diverse cultures and traditions, people from all walks of life, mm -hmm. all traditions, all cultures, all customs um, um, are, are, have uh, have kind of, uh, you know, accepted 
Islam as the true religion and and um, and and seen the, the the diversity and and the broad horizons and the eternal benefits of of this beautiful faith. God Almighty says, "We have made you into tribes and sub-tribes that you may recognize one another." Verily, the most honorable among you in the sight of Allah is He who is the most righteous among you. Chapter forty-nine, verse fourteen. The Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, "You are brothers and sisters." You are all equal, no matter to which nation or tribe you belong, and no matter what your status is, you are equal. Unfortunately, since the advent of Islam, many Muslims have started cultural practices that distort the teachings of Islam. So many new innovations, so many more cultural um, and, and traditional customs that uh, um, have been introduced and unfortunately in the day we live in what people have done is instead of identifying them for what they are they have labeled them all as islam and today what we're going to be trying to do in the next hour or so is to discuss whether culture and islam is and should be mixed so brother imran what is culture so one definition being uh, culture is characteristic and knowledge of particular groups, group of, of people encompassing language, religion, food, um, social habits, music and art. So everything um, which I just said, it makes up the culture. Mm-hmm. So um, you can say that, um, you know, um, where I'm from, I'm originally from Pakistan, uh, th- their culture is, you know, um, it's um, as I just said, that culture um, definition is um, to have a different um, um, kind of everything, food, um, vera, um, social habits, music, art, books. And that's what I think made up the culture. So Muslims are rooted in every part of the world. So is it plausible? The question does come, come to mind that is it plausible to say Islam and culture are the same? How can one define what practices are part of an Islamic culture, in inverted commas, and what practices are not. And even if the word culture is the correct word mm-hmm. to you, I sometimes think um, maybe the word should be civilization that mm-hmm. we should be more kind of arguing against Absolutely. instead of culture. Yeah. Because, because, because cultures are forever changing. Absolutely, and the the uh, as you said that civilizations, the civilization exists from the very beginning of the, That's the right. human being, exactly. and the religion came afterwards. So I think it's the uh, civilization and the uh, and you know culture, um, which um, which basically sometimes dominate over uh, over religion and yes. over people's mind. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So around the world, especially surrounding the African and Asian continents, there are many wrong and harmful traditions that some Muslim groups partake in. These are strictly against the teachings of the, of, of the beautiful religion of Islam and only are spread due to um, bad practice. That's the mm. word I would don't use. I want to use Absolutely. the word bad Absolutely. because it is bad practice. Is to, to even call it a culture yeah. would be wrong because even cultures cannot be promoting this kind um, of injustices. Absolutely. Injustices, pain, harm Mm -hmm. to people Mm -hmm. and again within the west this is something that has been spoken about and 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 unfortunately islam has been kind of blamed 
for, for such practices. Um, and one example of such a horrible practice is FGM, mm-hmm. f- female genital m- mutilation, mm-hmm. which is in which is the procedure in which a female's genitals are deliberately cut, which can also be described as female circumcision. This is usually carried out on girls between the ages of in, for, of infancy and teen. This act is not only extremely painful, but also very uh, injurious to health and can cause long-term effects in childbirth and, of course, mental health. The most recognized reasons for carrying out FGM are are social acceptance, misconceptions about hygiene in making a woman marriageable. I mean, how preposterous, <laughs> irrational, <laughs> unreasonable of a, of, a, of a reasoning is that? Um, God Almighty directs men in chapter 4 of the Holy Quran to consort with them in kindness when it comes to their wives, again debunking the myth that Islam encourages some sort of tyrannical oppression by husband, husbands over wives. This ideology is completely against the teachings of Islam and does not align with any rules of morality. There are no instructions in the Holy Quran or in the traditions of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that command Muslims to circumcise their daughters. And again, I'll repeat it again. FGM is not an Islamic practice. In fact, most of the countries in Africa where FGM is practiced aren't even Muslim. Absolutely. The majority of the inhabitants of these uh, of these nations mm-hmm. do not practice Islam. Absolutely. Yet, Islam, for whatever reason, forever, um, um, you know, political, political reasons, yeah. they it is it is very easy to to blame Islam for this for this terrible terrible practice. And again, there are other. Um, horrible practices and and inhumane practices which Islam is tarnished with. And again, what the, one of the reasons Voice of Islam was set up by His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad, may Allah strengthen his hand, was to quash misconceptions about Islam, which the mainstream media kind of kind of they, they built up, they added fuel to fire, they again and again misrepresented Islam. And the whole purpose of setting up such stations is to 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 give the true, beautiful, peaceful teaching of Islam to people. Not just, you know, to, to show people that all aspects of life are, um, are, are actually um, prominent within the Islamic religion um, and, and, and are practiced by Muslims all across the world. And such um, horrible, um, cruel, mm-hmm. truly cruel practices have no place in Islam. Uh, Brother Imran, what other um, 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 horrible practices is it that 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 are uh, that the, the, that media tends to attribute towards Islam? Yeah, so one commonly um, myth that they associate with Islam is honor killing and poor treatment of women. So according to the um, according to the honor based violence awareness, honor killing are committed within families or social groups with the spouse with the pur- uh, purpose of controlling behavior. Such murders are carried in the name of practicing relig- um, cultural beliefs or honor, or these those um, targeted are um, believed to have shame their life or community. Sadly, there is a lot of ignorance in some Muslims to wrongfully do things in the name of Allah. As you said, Kajum, that you know, sometime um, 
the your um, cultural or your uh, civilization, um, the, your practice practice, they come over you know um, over religion, and people think that you're doing uh, these things in the name of Islam, although it is absolutely wrong, and Islam does not promote anything. Uh, uh, any anything, um, any violence or any uh, you know mistreatment of women or honor killing, uh, as as you as you you know um, said before that it is stated in the Holy Quran that consort with them uh, in kindness. It's a very beautiful word, a verse of the Holy Quran. So again, um, it's just happening all um, uh, unfortunately on the name of Islam. In chapter 6, verse 83 in the Holy Quran, it says, Those who believe and mix not up their belief with injustice, it is they who shall have peace and who are rightly guided. Let's go and listen to an interview um, I, had, I did with Tuba Rahman, who is a student of Islamic theology in Germany. Um, let's go and see what Tuba had to say on this topic. We have with us uh, Tuba Rahman, who is a student of Islamic theology at university in Germany. Good afternoon, welcome, assalamu alaikum, and peace be on you, Tuba. Wa alaikum assalam, rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thanks for having me. Um, Tuba, how do you keep your Muslim identity within within the Western culture? Is it is it a challenge? I think it is a challenge, but um, it has always been a challenge to find one's own Muslim identity, not only in a Western culture, but also in a Muslim society depending on the area where you have settled down or grown up can be so challenging, but also evolving and encouraging. For me personally, it is important to keep reflecting on my own habits and what the teachings of Islam say. Depending on different issues, you might find a solution within your comfort zone, but sometimes you have to get out of it to do justice to your beliefs. So self-reflection, educating myself about my own beliefs and trying to adopt them into my daily lifestyle has formed my individual identity as a Muslim. Now, living within the Western culture um, and I suppose within a multicultural environment, many people think that different cultures have uh, quite toxic um, practices. Would you agree with that? Yes, I agree with it because certain cultural practices are toxic and can lead people to distance themselves from their beliefs. Sometimes they are not able to distinguish between religion and culture and many times even the elder generations cannot. Therefore, it is really important to be able to distinguish between culture or cultural habits, traditions and practices and religious do's and don'ts. And religion or your belief is something you practice or maintain in your daily lifestyle to please God, the Almighty. But culture is something that is dependent on people, their nature and their priorities. So many times you will find certain practices quite toxic, especially as a woman, where we know as a fact that men and women aren't treated equally. Now, I mean, I agree um, that, you know, cultural um, practices are is is a kind of made up of traditions, customs, innovations. And in the days that we are living, a lot of Muslims take part in such traditions um, where they either call them innovations, you can call them customs, traditions. Um, and some of these traditions include uh, people put flowers on graves when they visit, uh, when they go for, for, for a prayer to the graveyard. 
What is wrong with this practice? And how is it that Muslims can actually express their grief and sorrow? Well, that is a really interesting question. Firstly, I think we have to be careful and should avoid innovations in religious matters. Um, But also grieving comes with different emotions, different surroundings and can be overwhelming for sure. So it is really important to have that space to actually being able to grieve properly. Um, There are a lot of people who weren't able to grieve when they needed to grieve and were traumatized afterwards. And this comes with more struggles and can lead to have mental health issues, etc. But not only in the Holy Quran, but also in the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, we find different ways to grieve and seek strength from God the Almighty. So when it comes to certain traditions, such as you mentioned, I personally believe that we can show our respect, love and appreciation towards that person by becoming one of his continuous charity. That means the charity whose reward continues for its donor and is recorded in his good deeds even after his death. For example, my grandfather died two years ago. And when I was a child, he was the one who taught me the Darut truth, right? So whenever I recite it, I always think of him and how he teached it to me. So I can't thank him enough for that. But um, by becoming or trying to be one of his continuous charities is or might be one of the best ways to grieve. How can we as Muslim spread awareness on preventing Um, innovations, customs, traditions, which aren't part of um, the Islamic teaching. Because the West in recent years, I mean, we we always talk about, you know, the banning of the hijab, but in in United Kingdom, definitely, you know, there there are, um, they always attribute honor killings to, to, to the, to the peaceful religion of Islam. How can we prevent um, Islam being targeted and Islam being blamed for, for for such anti-Islamic acts, which are carried out by Muslims? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, because um, the issue with honor killing is that it is, uh, that it is promoted by many so-called scholars in some mosques for so many decades, that whenever you hear a case where this happened, unfortunately, many Muslims will think it was the right way to keep one's honor alive, right? So honor killing is a huge issue, that is happening for so many decades that is that has deep roots not only in non-muslim societies but also in muslim societies and customs and i think the solution is to spread awareness um, by clarifying and educating people not only to non-muslims but also to muslims about what honor means and how um, and what the teachings of islam says about it and also we have to analyze the cause of honor killing and talk about it so sometimes two people want to get married but the families do not agree to it and islamically there wouldn't be any issue but culturally many things are brought up so we have to educate ourselves the youth and the elder uh, elder generations about why honor killing is wrong and most importantly Um, we have to create safe spaces for people who might be affected with it. And we also have to um, mobilize people to actually stand up against honor killing or other innovations that are 
supported by Muslims but are not um, not agreeable with within the teachings of Islam. Wonderful. Uh, Duba Rahman, thank you so much for taking time out and coming on to the, the show. I wish you a fantastic uh, day ahead. May peace be with you. Thank you for having me. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam. And there we have Tuba Rahman, who is a student of Islamic theology in Germany, with some interesting answers and some some kind of clear divisions as to why, um, you know, even Muslims themselves, in their naivety and their lack of knowledge of their own faith, mm-hmm. practice certain traditions which have absolutely nothing to do with the actual teachings of Islam. Sometimes I wonder, you know, the simplicity of Islam is easy to follow. You know, it's like um, uh, Islam is there to make your life easy. Absolutely. Yet the one who practice it make it difficult for themselves. No? Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a one of the very simple religion. I mean, it's nothing, you know, nothing very, uh, um, very, you know, difficult yeah. or... Um, so I just remember one of the saying of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu that um, a person came to him and he said, um, how can I, you know, um, uh, go to um, paradise? And he said, just do the basic, uh, just pray to God, give uh, charity and uh, 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 keep uh, fasting. And uh, when the Holy Prophet Sallallahu replied, replied this, so uh, he said, I will just only stick to this basic. Um, the Holy Prophet said, if you've done this, then you will have the Allah's pleasure and you will go to the paradise. So it's just a simple thing, mm. but people have made this religion so difficult. People who practice it, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Again, it's down to education, training, awareness, education, knowledge, and reading the Holy Quran, to be honest. I mean, after I've used all these words, but actually, I, I've made it difficult by using the words like awareness, education, training. No, read the Holy Quran. Absolutely. It's simple as that. If yeah. you read the Holy Quran, it it is it's there for you mm-hmm. to read, to understand, and to put into practice. And then read the life of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, because he's the perfect embodiment Absolutely. of the Holy Quran. I mean, as you just mentioned, it's a very simple book. And, uh, you know, if you open the Holy Quran, just first few verses, it says that La Bafi, that there's no doubt in this book. Mm. So that shows, you know, the how simple and how uh, uh, um, the level of the book that it is uh, simply put in a simple way that a human can understand, understand it. it. Yeah. Now, Islam's response to uh, a lot of the allegations, um, especially when it comes to poor treatment of women, um, has been happening for cent- I mean, you know, we can see that uh, poor treatment of women in the name of Islam. Islam mm-hmm. has been um, accused and uh, wrongly accused um, that uh, women are treated badly. Now, we can look back on the status of women in pre-Islamic Arabia and see the similarities in toxic cultural behaviors. A wife was seen as the property of her husband and daughters would be buried alive. This all changed through the advent of Islam. I mean, you know, in at the times of the Arabs, when daughters were born, they used to bury daughters alive. But we're going 1400 years ago and the Holy mm-hmm. Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, um, you know, he changed all of that. But let's come back to the West, Absolutely. who called themselves liberators of mm-hmm. women. Well, women were deemed as property um, only a few a few decades ago. They were still deemed as property. Women still don't have the right, uh, um, um, you know, to to. Well, they gained the right to vote in 1928, whereas <laughs> Islam gave vote 
to you know the the equality of women and voting and and uh, right to divorce 1400 years ago even today women in the west have to fight for equal rights from man Absolutely. they are seeking to get equality mm-hmm. from men whereas in islam equality and equal rights were given to men and women by god almighty absolutely so the the, the notion the narrative that they are seeking equality from men means they will forever be looking to seek it and never get equality because if they think man is the one who gives them equality mm-hmm. then they will always be one step behind so to 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 truly get equality is to seek it from god almighty absolutely i think an, an, another um, perspective we can look into this matter is how the holy prophet used to treat women and uh, um when we look towards his life you know um um her mother uh, his mother died when he was 6 years old mm. and uh, uh, halima uh, his foster mother um brought him up and on one occasion when his mother came um um uh, from some um other country some other city uh, um when she, when he saw her um he, um he said my mother my mother and um he took his um she um sheet which he has on her and spread it front of her and uh, he said don't please sit so that was a caliber and whenever his daughter fatima used to come to see him uh, he used to kiss her ha- her hand and uh, uh, give him the best place which uh, in the room so that shows his kindness towards women and, and as the respect as respect as you mentioned that is the embodiment of the holy quran So that shows the respect and let's discuss this further we are joined by Sara Malik who delivered an address at the annual convention in the United States in 2016 on Islam beyond culture and ethnicity welcome assalamu alaikum peace be on you and welcome to the draft time show Waalaikum assalam peace be upon you as well thank you for having me Sara do you think culture has any relevance in Islam Absolutely It's extremely relevant because you know through culture it's through culture that so many different people can join together and we can learn about each other and Islam acknowledges and even promotes culture and promotes this idea of knowing one another through our differences and the holy prophet peace be upon him he's even said that where you come from has significance it has value and we should protect that and through hearing that we know that our culture is rooted in where we come from so it's important for us to safeguard it Mm-hmm. and you know in his life and early islam the holy prophet peace be upon him be upon he himself broke cultural barriers even in that time 1400 years ago it's known that he even asked hazrat bilal who is a man known to have had a darker complexion to give the call to prayer mm-hmm. and at that time it was a big deal even unprecedented in many ways and mm-hmm. not only that the holy prophet himself was also known to marry outside his own tribe right outside of his own creed his own caste and his wife hazrat maria she was the egyptian mm-hmm. and so these are all acts that the holy prophet peace be upon him did which brought different societies different people different backgrounds together under the banner of islam mm-hmm. they were acts of unifying people under god so yeah the culture has an extremely relevant place in islam right so uh, some people think um, they say that muslims use uh, cultural ideologies to discriminate against other through forms of racism or hierarchy what's your thought thoughts on on it 
Um, well, you know, to start taking a step back, there's a basic principle in the Quran which says that the most honorable among you is the most righteous. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about hierarchy in Islam, the only hierarchy that's referred to in the Quran is with regards to our level of righteousness, our level of connecting with God. And that is the only thing setting one person from setting one person better from another, perhaps, um, in the eyes of the Holy Quran and the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. And when it says this, um, it says, surely the, own, the most honorable among you in the sight of God. And so it's God who is determining. He is the all-knowing, the all-seeing. And it's for him to decide who is the most righteous. It's not for us humans to decide who is best in this manner, right? Mm-hmm. And so the Quran lays this ground rule that hierarchy is only when it comes to spirituality. Nowhere does it say that any people is better than another solely due to their race or their culture or their creed. And if there's a culture of people deeming themselves to be superior to another, the Quran has categorically rejected this concept. And it's reinforced in chapter uh, 49 and verse 12 of the Quran, where God says, O ye who believe, let not one people deride another people, because it's possible that they may be better than you. Mm-hmm. But again, it's only for God to determine that. Only He can know our hearts, right? So mm-hmm. through this verse, we know that it's contrary to Islamic philosophy, or if you will, the culture that Islam seeks to establish, that we as Muslims are in fact told not to discriminate, not to uh, establish hierarchy through anything aside from uh, our levels of righteousness and connecting through God. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, should all Muslims have one shared culture instead? Well, if Islam sought to assimilate all of us into one culture, it would contradict the Quran because one of the great signs that God has placed on this earth was creating people from different walks of life and embracing those cultures. And, you know, 124,000 prophets were sent over the span of history to all different people. And God said, there's not a people in this world to whom he hasn't sent his message to, the message of God to. And if all people were to be one, then why even cater to so many different people in their own language, in their own style, so that they could come to know about God, right? 124,000 is not a small number. Mm -hmm. Um, So Islam wishes to unite people Mm -hmm. under one God, and that's the ultimate purpose. If we were meant to be united under one culture, then why was the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sent as a mercy for all people? Should he not just have been sent for one people? And we can sort of get perspective on this when we think Jesus, uh, peace be upon him, was sent to just the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. But our claim, the claim of Islam, is that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was sent for all, not just for one people. So if that's the case, then how can we say that the ultimate purpose was for culture to be just one, just for one people? So no, we don't say that. Um, Sarah, isn't it also true that the beauty and the broadness of Islam is so infinite that all cultures kind of fit within Islam quite perfectly. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can definitely say that. So do the teachings Um, of Islam present any useful purpose when it comes to diversity in races, languages, ethnicities? You know, this um, better than I could say it, there's actually a verse in the Holy Quran that answers this question perfectly in uh, chapter 49, verse 14, where God says, O mankind, we've created you from a male and a female, and we've made you into tribes and sub-tribes so you can recognize one another. Verily, the most honorable among you in the sight of God is he who is the most righteous among you. We, we talked about this one early as well. And this verse from the Quran teaches us that God, Allah, has made us all equal in his eyes, but he's also given us 
variation when it comes to nation and race and culture and creed so that we can get to know one another, to let us benefit from our different characteristics. And it's through recognition of one another, even we can say that we'll progress as a human race when we can see these differences and accept them and move together through them. Because these days we talk about creating a global village, right? Through social media, people um, really hype up this idea that the world is now one one because of the access that we have to another but we're connecting but do we actually understand one another and it is through these different languages these different ethnicities that we can come to have that understanding and these are identities that god has given us these differing identities and through them we can bring together these different mosaics of people throughout the word but under the unity of god right um, and the Quran says that it's these variances in our skin and our languages um, that are not determining who's better than one another, but just so that we can understand one another better. And it circles back to the question earlier where bettering ourselves is through becoming better in terms of our righteousness and our spirituality. And that should be the only thing that we're focusing on when we talk about hierarchy. Um, the rest is just so that we can unify ourselves better through understanding. Um, Sarah, something me and Brother Imran were discussing when we started the show, and I, I'm, I, I was reading that your speech um, at the, the annual convention was Islam beyond culture and ethnicity. Mm. That word beyond. I mean, me and what me and Brother Imran were saying, mm-hmm. are we using the correct word culture here, or should it be the word civilization, or is is what you're saying beyond culture and ethnicity is about civilization? What what is the difference? Is there a right and a wrong, or are they the same thing? Um, so one one point that I brought up in the speech, I'm not sure. Perhaps you guys have discussed it already. Is I took it to the level of science because there's lots of language we can use. Right here, we can talk about different civilizations. When we talk about the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, we use the word tribe. Um, different people will use the word caste. There's lots of yeah. descriptive mm-hmm. words to talk about how we can classify humans. But at the end of the day, when we come down to talking about whatever those differences are in terms of verbs and um, language and grammar, the science says that there's only 0.01, and that's a rounded number, it's really like 0.0999 something, of difference between any two people. So if you're looking at yourself and the presenter next to you, that's the only difference between you, no matter where both of you are from. Mm -hmm. And so... Really what that title means, Islam Beyond Culture and Ethnicity, is yes, there's so much that we can use to talk about the differences between us, but the science at the end of the day says that there's hardly any difference between any two people, no matter if you're looking at the top 1% in terms of income, or you're looking at someone who doesn't even own a checkings account, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever the description is, God has actually made us all one. It just comes down to recognizing the Creator, and knowing that our biggest commonality should be him. Wonderful. Sarah Malik, thank you so much for taking time out and coming on to the Drive Time Show and, and putting some and sharing us your insight into this subject. I wish you a fantastic day ahead. May peace be with you. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you for having me. The Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, once said, You will not enter paradise until you believe, and you will not believe until you love one another shall I not guide you to something which if you carry out you will love one another spread salam amongst yourselves Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran in chapter 4 verse 37 and worship Allah and associate naught with him 
and show kindness to parents and to kindred and orphans and the needy and to the neighbor that is a kinsman and the neighbor that is a stranger and the companion by your side and the wayfarer and those whom your right hand possesses. The promised Messiah, the founder of the Amdiya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed Qadiyan, on whom be peace, said, I do not like the words of those who limit their compassion to their own ethnicity. I advise you again and again to never ever restrict your sphere of compassion. He said, you should extend compassion to all of God's creations as if you are their blood relative, just like mothers are with their children. One who does good with natural passion like that of a mother can never be ostentatious. Islam bases the culture it seeks to promote on the foundations of a firm belief in the existence of a uniquely divine singular creator. I mean, this is what Sarah was talking about, mm -hmm. wasn't she? That the, 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 the emphasis is, maybe too much emphasis is being put on what people are doing, whereas we should be fo focusing on the unity. The one thing that brings all of them under the one umbrella is the unity of God Almighty, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I think um, this is what um, also stated in the Holy Quran that call people towards the same, you know, same kalima, which is same statement. Yep. And the same, same statement is that we believe that th there is one creator. So, um, which is there is one God, but God. There is one God. The the kalma you're talking yeah. about, yeah. So, um, just for the benefit of the listener. Yeah. So there is no uh, none uh, worthy of worship, worship except, except Allah. Allah. So yeah. So this is the kalima. This is the uh, one um, uh, fundamental things in Islam, uh, which we all believe. And I think this is what the matter. All matters. Nothing else. No culture. Nothing. So, if each one of us would have been like. Uh, alike in culture, language, color, etc. This world would have been very boring, monotonous. In fact, that kind of mm -hmm. was coming to mind when Sarah yeah. was talking. Yeah. Um, you know, um, that uh, um, that if everybody was the same, it would be a very short world. Yeah. We'd be bored. Everybody would be like at each other's throats because there's too much similarity. <laughs> it would be, again, boring, monotonous and unspectacular. Mm -hmm. There would have been no urge to learn from one another and develop in various facets of life. It is only the diversity in life which makes this world colorful, wonderful, and propels um, people towards higher goals and objectives. You know, when, when I was uh, introducing and uh, giving the intro to Sarah, and it mentioned that she, was, um, uh, she had the opportunity to, to address um, the annual convention, mm -hmm. Uh, at um, in the United States in 2016, the word the annual convention again came to mind, and I thought, <laughs> look at the flags we have Absolutely. at the annual convention, yeah. and look at the number of people from all walks of life mm -hmm. who come and attend this spiritual event at the annual convention, irrespective of which country in the world. I mean, these conventions are held everywhere um, across the across the world, and the brotherhood and the sisterhood and the love, the compassion that is shown to each other. Because we are Ahmadi Muslims, mm -hmm. not because you are African, Asian, uh, or from the Southeast, or from the Northeast, or irrespective of where you come from. Absolutely. It's that unity and the love of the Messiah that brings us together. And the teachings of the Messiah being that he is a servant of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And he's just reviving the word of the Holy Prophet based on the teachings of the Holy Quran. And as 
foretold by mm-hmm. the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that there will come a time when people will forget. People will be rushing to the mosques. Mosques will be full, but they'll be there will be no faith. There will be no belief. No guidance. Yeah, there will be no guidance. Yeah. And at that time, a man will come who will revive the word, Absolutely. the true teachings, which we believe to be the promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian, um, on whom be peace. Um, you know, it, it is, you know, if you think about it, uh, you know, this message started from one rustic village in, in no man's land in, in, on, the, on the borders of India and Pakistan, who at that time was a small unknown village. And if you want to look at it today, that, you know, we're, you know, the, 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 the teachings of, of uh, the promised Messiah now truly reaches the corners of the earth. The Amni Muslim community is established in, I think, to just over 213 countries and free mm-hmm. territories Absolutely. around the world. And, and, and that within itself is the proof of the truthfulness of, of, of the promised Messiah. And you mentioned our annual convention and the flags of, from uh, more than 200 countries. Yeah. And uh, that shows, you know, uh, the brotherhood, you talked about brotherhood as well. And that shows, uh, you know, um, the true teaching of Islam. And when we stand, you know, in our prayer, so we, um, it doesn't matter who is standing just beside uh, us. It can be a king or maybe a, a, a poor, poor man. Poor, yeah. So that shows, you know, brotherhood. And uh, uh, in the last sermon of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu uh, he stated that all mankind is from Adam and Eve. That shows, you know, he says that we all come from the same source. And he said, we all, we, all mankind is from Adam and Eve. An Arab has no superiority over a non-Arab, nor a non-Arab has any superiority over an Arab. Also, white has no superiority over a black, nor a black has any superiority over a white, except by piety and good action. So that, this is the only criteria that Islam you know, states. Um, Let's go and talk to our last guest of the afternoon. We have with us um, our, our, our regular professor, teacher, educator. <laughs> we have with us uh, Imam um, Burhan, who... Um, is a, uh, a teacher who teaches at the Institute of Theology and Modern Languages in the United Kingdom. Uh, good afternoon, welcome, assalamualaikum, and peace be on you, sir. Wa alaikum assalam, and thank you very much for having me on your show. Thank you for always, as always, um, for for uh, for your time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, um, uh, Is there any such thing as um, Islamic culture? Okay. Uh, dear Imran, I, the first and most important thing is, before we try to understand what Islamic culture is, we need to understand basically what culture is. Right. Uh, I don't know whether you have discussed it in your program or not, but uh, there are two points I would like to highlight here. Um, there what, are, sorry, sorry, Imam Burhan, um, uh, we haven't discussed it in detail. In fact, what we were questioning was whether we ourselves are using the correct word. Should it be culture or should it be civilization? Uh, I hope when I'll answer my question, uh, this will clarify this point. Please. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Imam Burhan. Yes. Can you hear me? We can hear you now, sir. Yes. Okay. So I was talking about the first of the... I think we're having difficulty in connection. Can we? Um, I think Brother Habib will retry and, and reconnect uh, Imam uh, Imam Burhan. And when we when we reconnect, we will uh, hopefully get um, the opportunity to listen to what uh, Imam Burhan said. And um, before we had uh, 
uh, Imran Baran. Imran, you were talking about, uh, um, you know, you were quoting that uh, that uh, um, uh, that couplet yeah, that from the from the final uh, sermon at the Mount <laughs> of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And, and it's so true, you know, the teachings of Islam are colorblind, aren't they? Yeah. Color is irrelevant, um, and where you come from is irrelevant. What's true, and all of our guests have mentioned this today as well, is that what relevance is, is God has kind of clearly mandated on what basis he will make his judgment. And that's based on your righteousness, irrespective of what country you come from or what color skin you are. Absolutely. I mean, this is the, one of the beauty of Islam. And uh, this is why Allah Almighty says uh, to the, uh, in the Holy Quran, uh, to the Holy Prophet Sallallahu that you are the mercy for all of the mankind and it doesn't matter your your language your background doesn't matter all matter is that how righteous is you in the eyes of Allah that is what matter in Islam and uh, I think um, uh, in the beginning um, um, in the beginning of Islam that is one of the main reason why so many people uh, come into, into Islam um, uh, so, for example, um, a person who um, accepted Islam um, in, the, in, the, in the initial stage was Hazrat Bilal, uh, who was from um, um, Habsha, which is um, um, a country in Africa. and uh, Ethiopia. Ethiopia, yeah, absolutely. So, um, this is, you know, uh, one of the beauty of Islam. Well, you hold that beauty of Islam yeah. thought right there. We've got with us Imam Burhan back with us. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, peace be on you. Thank you uh, for that and apologies for the connection, uh, Imam Burhan. No worries. Jazakumullah for having me again. And I think I should start where I left. Please. We were talking about, uh, you asked me about Islamic culture. And briefly, I wanted to explain what culture is. As far as the dictionary definitions are concerned, they will talk about ideas, customs, social behavior, of particular group of people or society and these kind of definitions you will definitely find in different dictionaries. But another thing which is very important is that uh, there is a kind of, what should I say, uh, a, a, a great bound between civilization and culture. Culture is somehow connected with the civilization and somehow civilization also affects culture. And directly and indirectly, uh, human ideas, religious ideas, they all affect culture of a society. So having this thing in our mind, when we are talking about Islamic culture, of course there is Islamic culture, but of course uh, the civilization and the behavior and the society in which Islam is being practiced or prevailing, that also affect. So mm. what I'm trying to say is, you will find an Islamic culture in certain areas of India and Pakistan a slight different. Mm-hmm. You will find another Islamic culture slightly different in Arab society. And nowadays, before because Islam is spreading uh, rapidly in European society, so you will find a slightly different Islamic culture in European society as well. Mm-hmm. So yes. There is an Islamic culture, but in different areas, different periods of time, you will find certain variations in them, which are based on civilization rather than Islamic teachings. Mm-hmm. 
you mentioned that Islam is uh, one of the fastest growing religion and with that you know um, people from all walks of the people all from all backgrounds um, come and uh, they um, uh, c- come with cul- their culture as well so uh, recently there has been a trend towards gender reveal parties and celebration um, such as baby shower is there anything wrong with this? You know Imran the fundamental idea is Islam has given us certain guidelines to deal with anything which is happening anywhere in the world. For example, if in any of our action we are not going against the oneness of God Almighty, unity of God Almighty, Mm -hmm. then there is nothing harm in that. Another Mm -hmm. aspect to remember is if we are doing any kind of ritual or maybe any kind of, what should I say, any activity in our house or in our society, that is not wasting our time or our attention from Allah Almighty, then we can certainly do that. Mm-hmm. But as far as you directly mentioned, these kind of parties in which people are revealing the gender of, uh, I mean, the coming baby, that is absolutely against, I should rather say, basic human values as well. Mm-hmm. This is someone's personal thing. And at that moment of life, when you are expecting a baby, you should be more inclined towards your personal responsibilities, personal health, uh, health, and also more inclined towards the blessing of Allah Almighty. And you should be more thankful to Allah Almighty uh, rather than showing it off or maybe wasting your money on this useless activity. So, um, so similarly, uh, in uh, you know, uh, in a wedding, um, some people you know bring cultural practice in wedding as well. So some people say. Um, that uh, these are harmless and you know add joy in such celebration what is the islam perspective on this this very sentence which you've also quoted that this thing is harmless Mm -hmm. maybe you will find many things initially harmless but later on those harmless things they become harmful things again I, i i must repeat my point that why to do something which has nothing to do with anyone's life. There is no benefit of doing any uh, that of your particular activity. So, as we say, we should think before speaking. In the same way, we should think before doing anything. Mm -hmm. Wasting money on any useless activity or ritual, or what should I say, on the day of wedding or maybe before wedding or after wedding, wasting your money is never ever recommended by the Islamic teachings. And moreover, I think I must mention this thing. I know that because most of us, we are from the India and Pakistan, this kind of society. And from the Hindu religion, there are many rituals which are normally performed on the day of wedding or maybe before or after that. So without knowing the background of these rituals, we are following them, which we should not be. Rather Mm -hmm. again, wedding day or getting married, is a very sensitive and important point in someone's life. Rather, I should say a turning point in someone's life. That is the time when you should extraordinarily become humble. Uh, instead of wasting your money, rather spend your money for use, useful purposes for the future, your generation or maybe your life. So I think all these things which are waste of money, waste of time, just showing off certain things, they are against Islamic teachings. So we should be extraordinarily careful about all these things. 
Um, so, you know, um, um, especially in Africa and, you know, in subcontinent, there are some Muslim, uh, you know, uh, practice, uh, you know, magic and paranormal act events. Is there any base um, from Islam? There isn't any base of this kind of concept in basic Islamic teachings. I think one of the things which the Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he brought in this world, rather he brought uh, people of this world back to the original teachings is that there is one creator and we should be observing all of our needs and our attention towards that creator and the second responsibility is fulfilling the rights of fellow human beings all these superstitious kind of things magic kind of concept basically they are prevailing in different societies because of weaknesses in mm-hmm. their faith because of weaknesses in their belief in Allah Almighty mm-hmm. when somebody is having firm belief in Allah Almighty naturally mm-hmm. any concept of this magic and these magical kind of things which are prevailing in the fairy tales mm-hmm. will definitely go away and we will initially and fundamentally we will stop believing in them so weakness in faith takes us to all these uh, wrong things which are unfortunately prevailing in certain societies. Imam Raja Burhan, as always, thank you so much, sir, for taking time out and coming on to the drive time Pleasure show. is always mine. As I always mention, I feel very honored to do anything for Voice of Islam. Thank you very much. Jazakumullah. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum Assalam. Please and remember I, us in your prayers, I, sir. I think one thing which I must, as, as a food for thought, I must mention is there is a book by the second caliph of Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmood Ahmad, may Allah be pleased with him. The name of the book is Introduction to the Study of the Holy Quran. In initial pages of this book, Hazrat uh, Muslim Anhu very briefly talked about culture, civilization, and its impact and effect on any religion. I hope it's worth reading. Jazakumullah and Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum peace be on you, His Holiness, uh, Hazrat Mirza Masuram, the fifth caliph of the Promised Messiah, may Allah strengthen his hand. In his address in Berlin, October 2019, on Islam and Europe, um, he said, As a Muslim leader, I believe you should protect your heritage and culture by focusing your energies on arresting the decline in religion and bringing people back towards faith and belief. Whether that be Christianity, Judaism, or any other, it should not be that in the name of advancement. Those values and moral standards that have been part of a society for many centuries are suddenly abandoned. Muslims from different parts of the world will have varying cultures, even though they share the same religion. Many of the countries that are commonly called Islamic countries, which in reality are merely Muslim majority countries practice an amalgam of Islamic practices and pre-Islamic non-Islamic practices. More than 10 centuries ago, when Islam became the predominant religion of the world of the part, religion of the part of the world that today is Muslim majority, those countries already had very distinct and very patriarchal cultures, as many remain patriarchal today. After embracing the religion of Islam, many of these cultures abandoned some of the pre-Islamic cultures and traditions, but they hang on to many others. So one should be very careful before mixing cultural practices with those that are Islamic. 
We're going to conclude the program um, with an audio where His Holiness was asked a question um, by a um, a young life devotee. Um, before we do that, I just want to thank our producers, Badira Ahmed and Amtul Bari Khan, and to all of our guests uh, for taking time out and coming onto the show. Thank you to Brother Imran always. Thank you to you our, thank you. Our, our Brother Habib in tech. Uh, thank you to you for listening. Um, please forgive any shortcomings on our part. Please remember us in your prayers. Until next time, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. You can, you can just open the Holy Quran and show them. There's a, almost a, more than 700 injunctions and commandments in the Holy Quran which uh, are related to the religious beliefs. Eh? So Islam is the religion which covers every aspect of the life, right? Right from your the, the, the basic uh, unit of your house to the international level, the relation up to the international levels. So it is not a religious belief, Islam. Islam says the taqwa, the word taqwa has been used in the Holy Quran in, in numerous verses, uncountable, or you know, say, more than 100 times or even more than, rather more than this. So if it is a cultural, then why Allah is emphasizing more on taqwa? Taqwa is fear of Allah. And that is, and that Allah, then Allah says that yet you obey all the injunctions and commandments of Allah, given by Allah. And the purpose of your life, Allah says, The purpose of your life is only to bow before Allah and say your five-time prayers, right? That is the purpose of your life. So if the purpose of your life is mentioned in the Holy Quran to pray to Allah and bow before Him, then how can we say it's only a cultural practice and not a religion? What is the purpose of the religion? There are two main purposes of the religion, according to the Holy Quran. One, to bring man near to, closer to his creator, the Allah. And the second, let the human beings understand their responsibilities towards their fellow beings. Right? So, how come that, how can we say that it's only a cultural religion and not a religious uh, uh, no, not a religion. Uh, my question was, how can we? Huh? My question was, how can we correct them? Close. Bring your. Uh, my question was, how can we correct them? How can we correct them? You just tell them that Quran says that the purpose of a human being's life is to bow before Allah and prostrate to Him. Hmm? So your every prayer, five times prayer, and every action, and every posture of your prayer shows that you are actually in need of Allah's love, not in need of getting um, cultural benefits. Right? Yeah,